today we're going to share a, a first part of a new series that I'm going to be doing with you called How to Get Along with People. Um, some of you thought we're going to talk about money again, didn't you? Uh, we, we did a couple of messages on money. In fact, I heard Light FM played the Bayside message on money. So, you know, you just can't get away from me, can you? Uh, it's all right. We'll move on to a different topic today. But uh, money is important. I hear Word selling my book for $12 at the moment. So word.com.au. If you didn't get a chance to get my book, Money Talks, or Money Talk, yeah, Money Talks it's called, um, then you can jump online and, and order that from them. And uh, do encourage you in your first fruit offering, those who have given already. Thank you for your generosity. And I think that's open all month, is it? Month of June uh, for, for the first fruits offering. So fantastic. So how to get along with people. You know, I, I love Jesus because he had a way of taking complex things and making them simple. You know, back in the first century, there were hundreds of laws from the Old Testament. And the Pharisees, the religious, pe- religious people, would often debate about the laws and what's most important. And, and uh, someone once came to him and said, well, what's the most important of these hundreds of laws? And Jesus just brought it down to two. He said, if you can love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. How many know if we could really just simplify life, it's about loving God and loving people. Yes, that's about it. We go to work tomorrow as we're out in the world. We want to love God, connect with him, and we want to love people. How many know it's easy to say and a little harder to do? Come on, don't look at me so spiritual this morning. Loving people is not as easy as it sounds. I love the title of a book by John Ortberg. He wrote it many years ago. And it's, the title is, Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. Everybody's normal till you get to know them. Have you ever been to a shopping center and there's a sale in a store and there's a little, kind of a little section of items and at the top it just says, as is. Now, what does that little as is mean? It means what you're about to buy is not perfect. There's maybe a piece missing, a part missing, something doesn't work properly, it's as is. How many know in our relationships we need to realize we all come as is? Come on, and and guess what? You're an as is. I'm an as is. Let's be honest, none of us are normal. We're all a little bit dysfunctional. Come on, just take a big breath. We're all a little bit, if you can just adjust your expectations, we all come as is. We're not perfect. Something's missing. Something's not working working perfectly. We're all a little bit dysfunctional. And so if we just get that, it makes our relationships easier. Have Have you ever read the book of Genesis? Some of you? I mean, just think about the people in Genesis. Cain murdered his brother Abel in a fit of anger. Noah, the most righteous person on earth, got drunk. Lot offered his virgin daughters to the men of Sodom. Later on, his daughters got their father drunk and impregnated by him. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob played favorites with their children, causing all sorts of family problems. Reuben slept with his father's concubine. Judas slept with his daughter-in-law, who was disguised as a prostitute. And this is the godly line. (laughs) This is the godly line. I mean, let's be honest. It reads like a script from days of our lives. These people need a therapist. These people are as is. They are not normal. It's like a soap opera. Some of you are feeling better about your family already. (laughs) Some of you are going... But, but it's it. Come on. This is in your Bible, book of Genesis. These people are not normal. They come as is. But guess what? God worked through them. 
and God can work through you and I as is, as we are. And so today, as we begin this uh, two-part series, today and two weeks from now, on the 1st of July, um, often we read the Gospels and we, listen, we look at Jesus' teaching. It's amazing. We look at his miracles and healings. They're amazing. But we want to look at his relationships. And uh, we can, through looking at his relationships, get a master's degree. Who'd like a master's degree? Two people. Oh. You can get a master's degree in relationships by studying the life of Jesus and looking at how he related to people. And so I'm going to share with you some of the skills of getting along with people. That's, that's our theme. How do we get along with people? Well, let's watch Jesus. Let's watch how he did it. And let's get ourselves a master's degree by looking at some of the skills he demonstrated in his relationships. How does that sound? Going to do it everywhere anyway, but I thought I'd just check with you. We're going to do it everywhere. Okay, number one, the first thing we learned from Jesus is the power and the importance of accepting people. Accepting people. Paul picks this up in Romans 15, verse 7. Accept, everyone say accept. Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept. Uh, Jesus had this amazing ability to accept people just where they were, as is, not normal, a little bit dysfunctional. If you read the Gospels, Jesus treated everybody incredibly well. Um, you know, if we're honest... <laughs> We all have a bit of a rating scale, uh, probably a 1 to 10. You, you may not be conscious of this, but we've all got a rating scale, 1 to 10. 10 are really, really important people, and, you know, lower down the scale are less important. And, and, you know, tomorrow morning, if you're walking somewhere and you see someone who you think is a 10, guess what? You'll treat them based on that view of them. And you'll go, hey, how you going? Good to see you. How you doing? Because they're a 10 in your mind. If you see someone who's maybe a 6 out of 10, you go, hey, how's it going? Nice to see you. If you see someone who's a 2, it's, hey. If you see someone who's a minus 4, you walk the other way. Come on. Be honest. That, that, that's how we treat people. We treat people based on the value we place on them. Here's my point. Jesus... Put a 10 on everybody. Jesus put a 10 on everybody and he treated them as if they were a 10. Uh, one day, Jesus is heading off to some meetings with his disciples and kids start running up to Jesus. And what do the big 12 apostles do? Get those kids out of here. Shh, be quiet. See, they didn't put a very high value on children. Guess what Jesus did? He rebuked the big 12 apostles says, hey, let those kids come. You know why? Because Jesus puts a 10 on children. Are you with me? And there's another day, there's a blind man off the side of the road going, Jesus, Jesus. The disciples go, be quiet. We've got ministry to do. You feel the love of the apostles? Jesus rebukes them and says, let that blind man come. See, Jesus puts a 10 on people on the margin. The outcast, the people that other people don't value. Jesus puts a 10 on everybody. And you know what? What would happen in our lives if we simply change the value of the people in our world? Now, acceptance doesn't mean approval. It just means accepting them as a person made in the image of God. Yes, a little flawed. Yes, a little damaged. A great example is in... 
Luke 19, Jesus is heading into a town called Jericho. And in Jericho, there's a man with a pretty bad reputation. His name's Zacchaeus. Anyone heard of Zacchaeus? Uh, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Tax collectors were Jewish people who worked for the Roman government, extracting taxes from their own people and getting wealthy in the process. The Jews saw them as traitors, as uh, highly despised people. Well, Jesus is walking into Jericho, and you know the story. He sees Zacchaeus in a tree. He goes, hey, Zacchaeus, let's do lunch today. You could hear the murmuring and the comments. Doesn't Jesus know who he is? See, most people in that town would not put a 10 on Zacchaeus. In fact, it would be a negative number. But Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, let's do lunch today. And so Jesus has lunch with Zacchaeus. There's no altar call. There's no organ playing. There's no preacher. But in the middle of the lunch, Jesus, uh, Zacchaeus goes, stands up and he goes, I'm going to give half of my goods to the poor today. And anyone who I've ripped off, Obviously, he's ripped off a lot of people. Anyone I've ripped off, I'm going to pay them back four times. And Jesus rejoices and says, today, salvation has come to this house. Question, did Zacchaeus change his life and then Jesus had lunch with him? No. Jesus had lunch with him as is, just as he was. And that grace led to a powerful transformation in Zacchaeus' life. You know, the Pharisees' attitude, the religious leaders of Jesus' day was, when you get your act together, then you can come and hang with us. Jesus' attitude was, come as you are. I accept you, as is. (laughs) I know you're not perfect. I know there's some stuff missing. I know not everything's working right. Jesus accepted people as they were, and then his grace changed their lives. How many know church is supposed to be like that? I know that's the heart of Bayside, is to accept people as they are. My last church, uh, City Life, I was in the foyer after a meeting one day, and uh, this young guy came up to me, and I just preached. And his opening line was, I used to be a Muslim, but now, now I'm an atheist, but I really enjoyed your talk today. And so I just smiled and said, hey, good to meet you. Muslims and atheists are welcome at our church. He was a little bit shocked because I think he was trying to shock me. And so we chatted for a little bit. Anyway, about uh, six weeks later, I was in the foyer again. And I saw him. I said, hey, you're still here. He had a big smile on his face. He says, yeah, I'm a Christian now. And I smiled. I said, great. Christians are welcome at our church. What a difference it could make in our lives if we would just accept people as Jesus accepted us. How many know Jesus didn't wait for you to get your life together before he loved you? (laughs) Come on. How many know he didn't stop loving you just because your life is not all together? Imagine if we could turn the way God accepts us and accept people the way that he accepts us. What a difference that would make in our lives. Now, now, that that doesn't mean approval, and we are all different. Have you noticed we're all different? We are different, but it's just accepting people as they are. What a difference that can make in our lives. Uh, Number two, the second uh, skill we learn from Jesus is to listen. You know, Jesus had more to say than, than anyone else. If you think about, let, let, let's, let's listen to this guy. I mean, he's the word in human form. And yet it's amazing how often Jesus asks questions. Blind man comes up to him. Jesus doesn't assume anything. He says, well, what, what do you want me to do for you? That's a really good question. What do you want Jesus to do for you? 
the other day. He's talking to the disciples. He says, hey, hey, who do, who do people say that I am? Now, who do you say that I am? Jesus has this ability to ask questions to draw out who we are. How many know when Jesus asks questions, it's not because he's looking for information. When he says, who, who do people say that I am? He hasn't forgotten his name. It's like God in the book of Genesis where Adam's hiding goes, Adam, where are you? How many know God hasn't lost Adam? It's not like, where are those humans? I just made them yesterday. I can't find them. <laughs> Adam, where are you? God has a way of asking us questions to draw out awareness and responsibility in our lives and to listen. See, relationships are built, developed, and maintained through communication. And communication is not just talking. It's also listening to those who we're relating to. And so learning to listen, God pays attention. Uh, God pays attention. In fact, Jesus one day said, the very hairs on your head are numbered. For some of us, that's an easier task than others. But it's not a statement of God's mathematical prowess. It's a statement of God's attention to detail. Not one hair, hair falls from your head without God noticing it. God is an attentive God. In fact, the old blessing of the priest was, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. To turn the face towards is to give someone full attention. God not only turns his face towards you, he doesn't just look at you, his face is shining. God is an attentive God. He looks at you. He notices you. He's aware of what's happening in your life. And if we can learn to do the same for others, Jesus was a phenomenally attentive person. He's walking through the crowd one day. There's people everywhere. And he goes, who touched me? What do you mean who touched you? There's people all around. No, he noticed that a woman in need touched the hem of his garment. Jesus is the most attentive person you could ever imagine. Uh, Jesus' brother James uh, noticed this, and later in a letter, look, look what he said. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. How many know by nature we're the opposite? <laughs> we're quick to speak, quick to get angry, and we're a little slow on the listening side. Uh, someone once said, we have one mouth and two ears, so we should listen twice as much as we speak. Imagine having one ear and two mouths. <laughs> oh, freaky, freaky, freaky. We could sing a duet with ourselves, you know. <laughs> I knew Emma would like that one. No, no, no. One mouth and two ears. James, where did he learn this from? His brother Jesus. He watched Jesus. He says, hey, hey, be quick to listen. Um, there are a lot of bad habits that we develop. How do I know? Because I have all of these bad habits. Uh, one is being inattentive when someone is talking. Some people say to me, how do you learn people's names? Well, the first thing is when you say, hi, what's your name? Michael. Usually while they're saying their name, we're thinking of our next question. Come on. And it's like saying to someone, throw me the ball and looking away. You know, yeah. no, sorry. Hi, what's your name? Michael. Uh, often we're not listening because we're not paying attention. Our minds everywhere else thinking of our next question. Preoccupied, not concentrating. If you grab the name Michael, good to meet you, Michael. 
You're looking good today. Thanks for serving. Asher, I thought your name was Asher, but it's actually Michael. It's Michael. So some of our bad habits are just not being attentive, being preoccupied, not concentrating, interrupting. Come on, where's all the interrupters in the room? My philosophy in life is quit talking while I'm trying to interrupt. You'll get that after lunch. Uh, Often we're interrupting or we're finishing people's sentences for them. How many know some people just need help? You telling them what they actually feel. Just keep looking straight ahead. Uh, We finish people's sentences for them or while they're talking, we're waiting to speak or they're finishing their story. And that reminds me, oh, you know what happened to me? We jump right to our story. These are all habits we develop or jumping to conclusions. Or here's a big one, advice giving. You know what I do? These are all habits that, if we're not careful, can really damage our ability to listen. Some good habits are to actually concentrate. Look at a person in the eyes. Just slow down your inner narrative a little bit. Give them your full attention. God turns his face towards you, and he shines. You're his only point of attention. Attention. Give people full attention. Uh, ask some more questions. Tell me more about that. Draw them out. Don't jump to your story, your advice too quickly. Um, I don't want to stereotype, but one of the major complaints about men is that men don't listen. Men ignore women or listen for a few beats, assess what's happening, and then put their Mr. Fix-It cap on. Come on, guys, we've all got a Mr. Fix-It cap on, and we come up with a solution that's supposed to help her feel better. Uh, Guys, a little tip. Women do not want solutions. They want to be heard. They want to be understood. And so don't be too quick to to jump to your solutions. The power of listening. We're doing okay today? Accept one another. Listen to one another. Uh, Number three is to be empathetic. Not pathetic. (laughs) Empathetic. Empathy, empathos, to feel with. Empathy is where we go beyond listening to look beneath the surface of the matter to a person's heart, what's happening on the inside. Empathy means to feel with. Jesus not only listened He had a phenomenal ability to show empathy. Uh, John 4 is the story of this woman at a well. You know the story? This woman is down there to get some water, and they have a surface conversation about the well, Jacob and the well and worship, and it's an interesting conversation. But see, you and I know that this woman has been married five times. She's now living with a guy who's not her husband. She's had a trail of broken relationships. You cannot imagine the pain that this woman has been through and is carrying. Jesus doesn't just listen to the surface of the conversation. Jesus, through this interaction, is able to feel with. He never judges her. (laughs) He never never does a little talk on divorce. Let me give you three thoughts on divorce and remarriage. He doesn't theologize with her. He doesn't philosophize with her. He realizes here is a woman who still hasn't found what she's looking for. There's a deep thirst. There's a deep longing in her heart. And he goes right to the heart of the matter. 
and meets her at her deepest point of need. Her life has changed. She walks back to the town and she says to the town, come meet a man who told me everything I've ever done. Jesus not only listened, he showed empathy. For us to show empathy, we've got to not only pay attention, we've got to slow down. We've got to look, listen, observe, look through another person's eyes. Um, this requires sometimes a paradigm shift. A great example of this is a story I read a few years ago about a man getting on a train in New York. You've been to New York, the subway in New York's like the metro on another level. <laughs> and so this man gets on the train in New York and it's a busy carriage. He's sitting down, he's reading his paper. Carriage is pretty full, and this other man at the next stop comes on with a couple of little kids. And this other man sits down next to him and just kind of slumps and closes his eyes. And his kids are running everywhere, wreaking havoc in this train carriage. And you could just feel the tension in the room, like, you know, everyone's just kind of doing their thing on the way to work, listening on their uh, iPod or reading the paper. And these kids are just kind of adding all of this cacophony of sound and ten intensity to the room. And, and so, and, and the, this man who's probably the dad of care, he's just like, he's just out to it. And this uh, businessman, this New York businessman, he says, I was sitting there watching this and, and it's, it's just increasing, it's loading. And, and this man next to me is doing absolutely nothing. And you could just see everyone in the crowd going, man, who is this parent? dad, care, like what kind of a, you could just feel the anger, the annoyance, and, and getting up to anger. And he says, eventually, everyone was just so upset. And this man was so oblivious. He says, I, I just, I, I kind of hit the guy in the shoulder and said, hey, do you see what these kids are doing? They're disturbing the carriage. Why don't you do something? And this man kind of came out of his slumber and, and he said, oh, I'm so sorry. We've just come from the hospital where their mother died a few hours ago. And I don't know what to do, and I guess they don't know what to do either. This businessman said everything changed in a moment. Instead of feeling anger and annoyance, suddenly I'm feeling deep compassion. And I said, your wife just died? I'm so sorry. Is there anything we can do to help? But I just say to you, those annoying people in your world, everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. It doesn't mean what they're doing isn't annoying. But empathy is actually to go a little bit beneath the surface of the matter and find out what's really happening. See, hurt people tend to hurt people. And we can focus on, well, they're hurting me. Well, you know what? Someone's probably hurt them. And one of the Gifts you can give to people is not just to accept them, not just to listen to them, but to be empathetic. At the heart of most relational pain is misunderstanding. There's nothing more painful than to be misunderstood. One of the great gifts you can give people in your world is just to say, help me understand. Help me understand. Why is that a big deal for you? Help me understand. Empathy to feel with. Uh, learning how other people see things. Uh, done some teaching here on the love languages over the years? Yeah. Um, love languages is a great example of empathy. You know, it's easy to say, I love you. I love you. But we all hear and receive and give love in different ways. 
they're like different languages. If I said to you this morning, Te amo mucho, te amo mucho, te amo mucho. How are you feeling? If you're Spanish, you know I'm saying to you, I love you very much. Te amo mucho. I love you very much. But if you don't speak Spanish, you're pretty annoyed. I'm saying I love you in a language you don't understand. And so we've got to learn the different languages that people communicate and receive love. There's five of them. Uh, encouraging words. We can communicate love through our words. Uh, secondly, through serving uh, serving, doing things for people. Thirdly, giving gifts. Fourthly, spending time together. And fifthly, through physical affection. Five different languages. Encouraging words, serving, giving gifts, spending time together, and physical touch. Now, they're all different languages, and it's really important that you know the languages of the people in your world so that you're communicating love so they feel love. It's really important in marriage relationships. Let me give you an example. Let's say John and Mary are married, and John's love language is serving, but Mary's love language is time. John can be out on Saturday doing all the jobs, fixing this, doing this, and in doing all of the jobs and mowing the lawns and putting this together, and he can be serving and communicating love. But if Mary's love language is time, how many know she's not feeling that loved? But I'm doing all this for you. You're speaking a language that doesn't communicate. Don't stop doing the jobs, but if Mary's love language is time, then she needs some time together. Or maybe Harry and Yvonne. Apologies if there's a Harry and Yvonne in the room. Uh, maybe Harry's love language is physical touch. He's very warm. He's very affectionate. But Yvonne's love language is encouraging words. And so they come after 20 years of marriage, and they're in a bit of a crisis and talking to the counselor, and she goes, he, he never says he loves me. And he goes, I told you that 20 years ago. If it changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> That's not going to work for someone whose love language is, I, is encouraging words. She needs to hear that every day. Some of us grew up in homes where no one ever said, I love you. That's not a language you've ever learned. The good thing is you can learn some new languages. Te amo mucho. Come and say it with me. Te amo mucho. You just learned a little bit of Spanish today. Come on, when you get to your Latino friend at work tomorrow, te amo mucho. Te amo mucho. You learned a new language. You can learn new love languages. You can learn to use your words and say, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you. You can learn to give gifts. Some people just do it like they're born with gifts. <laughs> you, know? you can learn to be a gift giver. You can learn. Are you following with me? Empathy means thinking about how the other person. And if you can just learn the love language that means the most. And your kids are all different. You know what? One of your kids is a huggy, touchy person. Another one is, that's enough for me. Your kids are all different. You need to think about, this is empathy to feel with. Hope that's helping you today. We're going to do one more, and then in part two, we'll share another three. So our third, fourth, fourth skill today is, to call, is called to be authentic. So from Jesus, we learn to accept people, put a tent on everybody. From Jesus, we learn to listen. From Jesus, we learn to be empathetic, to feel with someone else, to think about what it would be like to be in their shoes. Uh, fourthly, is something we don't hear a lot about today, but it's actually, especially with the younger generation, it is the currency. Be authentic. It means to be real, open, honest, transparent, to take down your masks and to be who you really are. 
Jesus not only let people see his joy and his, um, not only his joy, but also his sadness and his anger, his fatigue, his sorrow. One time Jesus wept. Jesus, what are you crying about? Jesus wept in front of people. Jesus was authentic with his emotions, which took a deep amount of disclosure. Now, I want to show you this verse in Matthew 26. This is the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is about to go to the cross. And look what Matthew says here. Jesus, as you know, is in the garden. He's got the 12 with him, and then he takes Peter, James, and John. And he said to them, my soul is sorrowful and uh, my, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now, a little bit of background. Relationships are spatial. What do I mean by that? Uh, that we need to understand there are circles of friendship. Uh, Jesus had the crowd. Jesus related and connected with thousands of people. This is the crowd. Inside the crowd, Jesus had a group of 70 followers who he would have probably known by name and connected with. Inside the 70, he had 12 disciples. And inside the 12, he had three best friends, Peter, James, and John. And we're told that John was his best friend, although John tells us that, so maybe. Anyway, the disciple who Jesus loved the most, John tells us that. He, lo- he loves me more than it. Maybe they all felt that. I don't know. Anyway, relationships are spatial. There's a crowd. There's 70. There's 12. There's three. There's one. You know, it's the same in your life. You'll have hundreds of acquaintances and then some casual friends, some closer friends, some best friends. You need to make sure you know who's in the right space. There's some people that may be really close to you right now, and actually that's a damaging relationship, and they need to be a little further away. You don't eliminate them from your life. And there's other people that, you know what, they'd be better close in because they're a really positive influence on you right now. You need to know who's who in your relational zoo. (laughs) Have you got the right people in those spaces? Now, watch this. Jesus has 12 disciples in the garden. He takes three with him. These are his closest friends. He's not talking to the crowd. You be careful who you share what with. These are three close friends that he's done life with. These are safe people. And he says to them, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. In fact, the New Living Translation says, I am deeply distressed and anguished. This is amazing. I'm a Pentecostal. You think Jesus would have said here, hey guys, it's going to get a little tough, but don't worry, I'll be back in three days. I'm going to kick the devil's butt. It's all good. Come on. This is Jesus, the Son of God. And he says, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Would you pray with me? Do you have anyone that asks you how you're doing really, that you can actually be authentic and real with? Now, just a little tip. How many know the disciples did a great job supporting Jesus? Fell asleep in Jesus' prayer meeting. That's probably one prayer meeting you don't want to fall asleep in. (sighs) Twice. But, But nevertheless, Jesus is modeling something for us. People don't always know how to handle your openness, but it does affect the closeness of the relationships you have. A few years ago, I was having lunch with a pastor. We sat down, and I go, how are you going? He goes, Awesome. So telling me all the good things happening in his life and church. And when he was done his spiel, he goes, how are you doing? And I thought, will I do the awesome thing or will I be real? And I said, actually, it's been a little tough lately. 
a few challenges at home, a few challenges in church. I just kind of told him what was happening in my life. You know, when I was done, he goes, actually, I'm not doing too well either. See, the level of openness in a relationship determines the level of intimacy in a relationship. Openness begets or produces more openness. And this, this is not easy. Come on, we live in a world that's all about image management. How are you doing? God bless. Praise God, doing well. We're in a world that's all about your image. It's about making a good impression. And so, unfortunately, we can end up wearing masks and pretending and hiding and it actually affects the quality of our relationships. And so who's in your world that you can be honest with? Authenticity is so very powerful. I think for the next generation, they don't want you to be perfect. They want you to be real. Um, and so just being open, being honest, being authentic. Uh, James 5.16, Therefore, confess your faults, your stumblings to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. You think it would say, if you've got an issue, don't tell anybody, no one will ever know. Just work it through between you and God. James says, share, confess. Hey, I'm struggling a little bit here. And it's in the community of open, safe relationships that we grow together. And so authenticity is another great gift. Takes discernment. You know, just do this with anybody. It can be a little awkward. You need to build up some trust. But I tell you what, you want to deepen your relationships, create some moments where you can go, how you doing really? And often people just need someone to listen to them. It's interesting, the rise in counseling today. We, we had a counseling center. I think counselors are amazing. But really, what do they do? They go, how's it going? What happened? How did that feel? We will pay somebody just to listen and not interrupt and empathize with what we're feeling. Wow, if we could get this into all of our relationships, what a difference that could make. So we're going to pause here. Part two is in two weeks. But let me just ask you two questions as we wrap it up. Which skill could you benefit the most from developing right now? A little bit more. Is it just... Lifting your ability to accept people. Not approve, just, just to accept them. As you go out this week, what would it look like just to put a 10 on everybody, even that annoying person in your world? Just put a 10 on them and just treat them as is, dysfunctional, but as someone made in the image of God. Again, I'm not talking about putting yourself into damaging or bullying situations. Some, some people we need to distance our from, but, ourselves from. But what about just accepting? Is that your skill? Maybe it's listening. Maybe like you, like me, you're good at talking. <laughs> Maybe it's just working on listening this week. Maybe it's just some empathy. Help, help me understand. Maybe it's being authentic. Which skill could you grow a little bit in this week? And then my second question is, which relationship or friendship in your life needs the most attention right now? Relationships are like bank accounts. So if you're married, husband, wife, there's a bank account there. If you've got teenagers, you and your teenagers, there's a bank account. If, if you've got a boss, you and the boss, there's a bank account. Uh, if, if it's you and your employee, you and your neighbor, every relationship is like a bank account. And like a bank account, we make deposits and withdrawals. Yes? You spend time with somebody and it's a positive experience, that's a deposit. You, you encourage them, that's a deposit. You, you, you listen to them and have a good open conversation, that's a deposit. Uh, you have a bit of an argument, that's a withdrawal, yes? Come on. Uh, we make deposits and withdrawals. If you've made a lot of deposits, how many know you can have an argument and it's going to be okay? 
But you know what? If your bank account's on empty, there's nothing in there and you have an argument, how many know things are going to bounce? And so every relationship is like a bank account. And so my question to you is, which relationship needs the most attention right now? And can I tell you, some of the biggest deposits you can make in a relationship are to accept, to listen, to give empathy, and to be authentic. When you do those things, you make huge deposits into that relational account. And so what, 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 what relationship in your life right now needs the most attention? Which one's running on empty, you know, uh, that needs a phone call? Can we do coffee? That needs a deposit. Uh, you know, it takes two people to make a good relationship. But how many know one person can change a relationship? It takes two to make a great relationship, but even one person. And, and so we're called, as I shared with your leaders here a few weeks ago, we're called to be thermostats rather than thermometers. How many know a thermometer is a reactive instrument? If the room's cold, the thermometer goes down. If the room's hot, the thermometer goes up. It reacts to the environment. A thermostat is a proactive instrument. If the room's cold, you can warm it, you can warm it up. You can warm it up. <laughs> if the room is hot, you can cool it down. I want to encourage you in your relationship, be a thermostat. You come into a cool situation, you can feel the ice in the air, you can warm it up. You come into a heated situation, you can cool it down. A soft answer turns away wrath, turns the heat in the relationship down. And so I want to encourage you, what skill could you grow in this week? Uh, secondly, what relationship needs your most attention uh, this week? What deposits can you make? Everyone said amen. How many think Jesus is an amazing model for us? in how he related to people. As the worship team comes forward, or just a keyboard player, or anyone, anyone that would like to come forward, just come forward. <laughs> Always wanted to be on the platform, now's your moment. <laughs> Why don't we stand together? Why don't we stand together? And uh, let's pray for one another as we finish this up. And uh, great to be together today. Jimmy's going to wrap it up with a few things. Hope you have a great rest of the day. I'm off to the footy today. Go Cats. Don't use church to promote your team. We'll talk about forgiveness next time. So if I offended you there, then uh, we'll look at that next time. Um, hopefully this was helpful for everybody. Uh, how many will be honest, today, honest enough just to say i got a relationship that needs a little work right now? <laughs> okay, I'd love to pray a few about that right now. Just leave your hand up. Father, we've all got a relationship right now that's not going real well. And it's complex how that is. But we can make a difference. And so for those people with their hands lifted up today, whether it's just accepting, listening, being more empathetic, just being a bit open, hey, you know, I've really been disappointed in our relationship not going as well. Can we work on that? Just being open, not attacking, being open. Lord, as these hands are lifted up today, you see the faces, the, the, all the complexity. We're all as is. We're all a bit dysfunctional. Help us today with your grace. Jesus, teach us how to love like you love. And help us to make some deposits this week into these relationships. And We can't guarantee that they're going to all work out. But we can do our part to not only love you, God, but to love the people in our world. Give us the grace, the courage, the wisdom to know what to do. And may all of our relationships take a step forward in the right direction this week. We ask that today in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Don't miss part two, the next exciting episode of How to Get Along with People, two Sundays from now, 1st of July. Look forward to seeing you then.